Well, welcome. Um, thanks for coming this morning. My name is Luke Stuber, and I've got the privilege of bringing today's message. Um, I'm not on the normal preaching rotation, but I must preach whenever there's a major transitional Sunday. You know, the last time was the first Sunday of uh, online church, and now this is hopefully kind of the first Sunday of getting back to some sort of normal scheduled service. Um, before we get started this morning, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, dear Lord, just thank you that we could gather together this morning in person. Um, and just, Lord, I just ask that you could give me clarity of thought and could clearly communicate and that um, we could listen and hear and, and take something away from this morning, Lord. And just ultimately thank you for the gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2020, right? Quite the year. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with this book. It's The Monster at the End of This Book. And right, and every day when you wake up and you open up the news, you, we flipped another page. Something else has happened, right? Six months ago, we started hearing about the crisis. And then we rolled right into kind of race relations, protests that really have evolved into riots in major cities all over. You know, we saw some of it locally, not as bad. Um, now we're rolling right into an election. You know, there's a 24-7 news coverage that just we cannot get away from it and it just seems like one page after another we're dealing with this chaotic environment as we move forward and I think sometimes we get ourselves convinced that we're the first ones to go through this right that there's not a good example of what or someone that we can look at that's been through some of us but a couple months ago Hope and I were reading through the first half of the book of Daniel and it really struck me what kind of life or chaos that Daniel lived through. If we think about it, his entire life, he stayed focused on God. If we look at kind of his start, when he was probably in that 12 to 13 years old range, he lived through the fall of Jerusalem. You know, and that was not a peaceful takeover. Odds are his parents were killed, siblings, cousins, friends, you know, he saw some serious death and destruction, was carried off into captivity, and immediately given a choice to conform or to follow God. He chose God, and God rewarded him for that. And then as he moved through life, he eventually was promoted to one of the highest rulers in the lands through a series of events. And then he lived through another invasion, right? The Medes and the Persians rolled in, knocked out the Babylonians, and once again, we see that Daniel stayed focused on God. Once again, was promoted to the top and was immediately condemned to die for his obedience. Right? This is a guy that's been through way more than any of us from a chaotic standpoint. I think he's a great example of someone that we can look at to kind of look at how should we be handling ourselves as we move forward. Today, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 6, Daniel and the lion's den pretty familiar passage. I know all the kids are still in here or at home online watching, so maybe they can glean something from this as well. And we're going to break it down into four chunks. And I'm going to call them the promotion, the plan, the decision, and the aftermath. So we're going we're gonna to start with one, and then we're just going to go roll right through it. And then for each of those four pieces, we're going to look at kind of two approaches to life. Right? How do we handle this situation. There's God's way to do it, and there's man's way. 
So to get started, let's read Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. So in your pew Bible, 743. And if you're at home, you're going to have to look it up, because I did not put the words on all my slides. So, so let's read verses 1 through 4. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. And then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And then the president, presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So the Medes and Persians had invaded the Babylonian Empire and then Darius, the king, did a good thing, made a smart move, right? He, had, he appointed 120 men to help him ruler. The Babylonian Empire, the Medes and Persians, it was a huge area and he knew he needed help. And then over those 120 men, he appointed three call him presidents, of whom Daniel was one. And now Daniel, we see that he became distinguished above all the rest, right? He wasn't the ultimate employee, right? They could not find him, right? He did, I mean, he was honest, trustworthy. He didn't have any screw-ups on his record, right? He'd be the type of guy any of us would want to hire. And so that earned recognition from Darius, right? And so Darius immediately planned to promote him to essentially the vice president of the, Babylon, of the city of Babylon. And what do we see happen, right? What immediately happened? Immediately we see that Daniel's co-workers started looking for a way to get rid of him. Right? They didn't want to be ruled by Daniel. They didn't want Daniel to be promoted above them. And why is that? Right? It's because they were envious of Daniel. Right? He did his job. And what is envy? Right? It's the feeling of discontent and resentment for something that someone else has. Or in layman's terms, what's easier for me to interpret is wanting what someone else has. Right? When you want something that someone else has, that is envy. And I think if I asked most of you, that wouldn't be something we would struggle. It wouldn't be kind of the top list of our struggles. In the case of Daniel... Right? Those other rulers wanted Daniel's jobs because they wanted the power, the prestige, the access to the king. Right? Right? They had the ear of the king. And that was good enough that it was worth pursuing getting rid of Daniel. And so how about us? Right? Where's our focus? Is it on envy? Is it on what someone else has? Is it what, are we discontent with our lot in life? What about the last six months? And for honestly, for me, what I have been struggling with is I'm envious of the life I had six months ago. Right? It, I resent the fact that I had to put a mask on this morning to walk into church and that we're all sitting here spaced out and two-thirds of us are. It really frustrates me. Right? I don't like the fact that i got to send my daughter to school in a mask and they have to six, sit six feet apart. You know, I've had the safety guy at work two different times telling me that I was standing too close to somebody. Right? It, 
it is frustrating. And in Proverbs 14.30, we see a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And when I really step back and look at myself, right, where has my focus become? Right? It's, it really has become on what can I do to get back to normal? Right? It's not on Christ. It's, it's on And it, it's, uh, it's difficult. Right? So if we think about what is man's way? Right? It's to seize power over your life. Right? What can I do to take care of this? It's not on what can God do for me. It's how do I get around the rules and make it work out in my favor? You know, but God's way is seed power of your life. Um, Rick Sherman preached a message, it was about six weeks ago now, on contentment. And the only way we can be content and not be envious is to give God the power, right? Let lead our actions on a day-to-day basis. We have to put God in control. I mean, do we really believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's the same God he was six months ago. But we're approaching it different. I'm approaching it different. So in the case of Daniel, let's swing back to Daniel, what did the envy produce? And let's look at verses 5 through 9. And then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And then these presidents and sage agreements to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, sorry, almost one verse too far there. So we're going to end at verse 9. So Darius... Sign the document and injunction. So the plan. What was the plan? Right, that's what envy bred was a plan. And that plan was to get rid of Daniel. And if we think of Daniel's case, the only flaw they could find was his devotion to his God. Right, who here can say the same? You know, right? My only flaw is, is how much I love Jesus. Someone doesn't have to look that hard to find my flaws. And so, what do they do? Right? They made Darius a god, god with a little g. And then they immediately made it illegal to worship anything but the king. So what about Darius? You know, Darius honestly thought this was a good idea. Right? And why not? If we think about it in today's terms, this was, this was social media at its finest, right? He got unlimited likes, retweets. He's the ultimate influencer, right? You could not post negative on his Facebook page. But what, at the end of the day, what was this all about, right? 
This was make it all about me. Both Daniel's co-workers and Darius had one mind, and that was to make it about them, right? They wanted what they wanted, and they were going to do what they needed to do to get it. It's my rights, my life, my body. I deserve it. It's all about me. And what's God's way? It's the exact opposite of that, right? It's service to others. In Matthew 20, 28, we see, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus came to this earth not for us to serve him, but for him to serve us. We are called to serve others, not to promote our own agenda, our own interests. And we're also told to put others ahead of ourselves, right? In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, we see, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right? Daniel sought to serve the king, right? He had the king, Darius's best interest in mind, and he also sought to serve the king, Jesus, all his being. And where if you look at the other men, they only sought to serve themselves, right? They're missing the second king. So the question is, who am I serving? Am I serving the little king or the big king? Right? Is it my interests or is it those around me? So let's look at verses 10 through 18 now. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And then they before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, 
and sleep fled from him. So the decision, right? The injunction was signed. Daniel knew it was signed. So what are you going to do? I'm actually going to, we're going to look at two decisions here. You know, the first would be Daniel's. And we see in verse 10, when he knew the proclamation was signed, he got up, prayed, and gave thanks. And now Daniel was not a dumb guy, right? He was essentially one of the top people in the entire world at that point in time. You know, he's one of the top rulers in one of the largest empires, right? He knew it was a setup. I mean, he knew the outcome. When Daniel went home and prayed, he knew he was going into that lion's den. There was no doubt about it. And he did it anyway, right? He chose to trust God. And we contrast that with Darius, right? Darius chose to sign that proclamation. And he chose to follow the law of the Medes and Persians. Ultimately, Darius chose to put Daniel in that lion's den. So if you think about what's man's way about this, right? It's self-preservation. You know, Darius probably could have protected Daniel, but he would have had to give up his own self-interest to do that, right? It probably would have cost him the kingdom. So what am I doing? Am I protecting my own interests or my agenda, even when it's going to cost me? And what about Daniel? Right? Daniel could have gone home and prayed in the closet. Instead, he chose to do it in front of the open window. And why did he do that? Right? It's because that was his custom. He knew if he deviated from his custom that those other guys knew that he didn't truly believe in Jesus Christ. Right? He was willing to sacrifice himself to be a witness for God. What's God's way? It's obedience, right? In Philippians 2.8, we see, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? Even God, or Jesus, was God's command to serve him, right? He was willing to come to earth and die for us, and we are not innocent, right? right? He was obedient to death, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's also self-sacrifice. In John 15, 13, we see greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Right? Darius chose to protect himself rather than to protect Daniel. And Daniel chose to honor God and sacrifice himself. There's two ways to do it. So how do we respond, right? What do we do when we're faced with these decisions? And let's look at the aftermath, kind of post this decision where Daniel ended up in the lion's den. Let's look at verses 19 through 28. And then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, 
been able to deliver you from the lions. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, and they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. And then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. So Daniel had just spent the night in the lion's den. Right? And we see that Darius was in anguish. I'm missing a slide. It's amazing. So I'll just wing it here. So, so Daniel had just spent the night in the lion's den. And um, Darius was in anguish that night, right? He knew he had condemned an innocent man. And that morning, he rushed out to the lion's den and said to Daniel, basically, are you still alive? Did your God save you? And I think one of the most amazing things about this chapter, and it's something that had never struck me till the last couple of weeks, was Daniel's response to the king. And what did Daniel say? In verse 21, we see Daniel say, O king, live forever. Right? That was Daniel's response to a king who had just condemned him to die. Right? Daniel had spent the night with the lions. And I doubt it was like some of the pictures you look at where he's cuddled up with a big furry lion. Right? I would have been scared to death all night. Dark. I mean, they put a stone over the hole. There's a good chance there was no light in there. And he said, O king, live forever. You know, sometimes I think, how do we respond to decisions that we disagree with, right? Daniel didn't agree with the decision that Darius had made to throw him in that lion's den. Right? In America today, this is what we see. Every time I open up the news, it's a riot. You know, somebody disagrees with something, so they're going to get what they want. And they're going to burn and loot to do it. So what about me, right? What about us? I'd, I'd venture to guess that most of us in this room haven't gone and started busting windows and lighting things on fire. But really at the root of it, is my heart any different? How many people have seen these signs around? I saw them a few months ago. I thought they were awesome. Right? I disagree with a lot of the things going on. But to be honest with you, I've been convicted the last few weeks. 
right? Is this the right response? Is my heart really any different than someone that's out protesting? Or is my heart like Daniel, where he says, O king, live forever? Right? Because what's man's way? It's to criticize, complain, tear down, focus on the best decision for me. Right? Somebody makes a decision you disagree with, just go on the offensive, attack them. We see it all the time. Social media is magnifying this, I think. The news cycle where all we care about headlines magnifies this. But we in our own lives are doing it as well. Versus God's way, which is honor and pray for your leaders. Right? And that's at the government level, the school level, your employer, the elders here at NCF. I know there's people that disagree with what we're doing here. But at the end of the day, we're not called to agree on 100%. We're called to honor and uplift and pray for them. In 1 Timothy 1-3, through 3, we see, And first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Right? God, God calls us to honor and pray. If you think about Daniel, right, he honored a man who condemned him to death. How much easier should it be for us to honor and uplift and pray for those in authority? Right? If you look at decisions that have been made over the last few months, really they're inconveniences at the end of the day. We can disagree with them. We can agree with them. Nobody's asking you to die. Right? If Daniel did it, and God calls us to do it, we can do it as well. Because right, if we think about Daniel, right, what did Daniel's actions plus God's intervention lead to? Right? He was a powerful witness to Darius. In verse 17 we see that Darius acknowledged that God was the only way Daniel could be saved. And in verse 20, we see Darius asking, did your God save you? And then ultimately, in verses 26 and 27, we see Darius' acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. So I believe Daniel's steadfast focus on God through that turbulent time led others to Christ. And that other person would be Darius. I mean, one of the leaders of the world at that point in time. He issued a proclamation to all the people. We have no idea how many people that drew to Christ. So just to recap here, right? Has envy the way life was become your focus? Or are you focused on trusting and allowing God to guide you? Right? If we look around at what's going on, are we focused on the past and the way things were? Or are we focused on God and the way things can be? And the plan. Are you focused solely on what's best for you? Are you scheming and manipulating to get what you want, what you desire, 
Or in turn, are you focused on serving others and what's best for them? And the decision, are you choosing self-preservation or are you choosing obedience and self-sacrifice? In the aftermath, are you criticizing and tearing down your leaders or are you honoring and praying for them? And then ultimately, are your actions during this time being a witness for Christ? We have a tremendous opportunity as to how we approach what's going on. That we can demonstrate Christ's love for others. So with that, let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you um, once again that we could gather today. And I ask you, Lord, that we could just look at Daniel's life and how he approached chaotic turbulence and that we could honor and uplift you like he did. That we could pray for our leaders. That we could look to others' interests. And Lord, ultimately, too, that we would just not be focused on the way life was, but instead be focused on you. Lord, I just ask that you could... um, Give us grace as we approach this next week. And uh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the chance to gather today. In Jesus' name, amen.